Hello and welcome to another episode of the Everything's Been Done podcast, Conversations in Cycling Subculture. I'm your host, Dustin Klein, and this episode is brought to you by our Summer Pledge Drive. Help keep the lights on by becoming a member of the International Players Club. Donations will be rewarded with beautiful prizes, ranging from lapel pins, sticker packs, patches, and not much more. Join the International Players Club at the link below. Today's guest is a very exciting pair of double dabblers. They are rubber enthusiasts, rubber nerds, tire geeks, and contact point purveyors. You can find them at ultradynamico.com and on Instagram at ultradynamico. Please join me in welcoming ultradynamico. Thank you guys for doing this. I'm fucking stoked to talk to you guys. I love oh, what you guys do. I think the tires are cool. I love that it's a it's a FUBU brand, a for us, by us. Rubber is one of my favorite parts of the bike. So God bless you guys for being here. Yeah. God bless rubber trees. <laughs> exactly. We're happy to be here, Dustin. Thank you for having us. Well, yeah, I'm sure the Zoom is, uh, so we got Patrick and Ronnie. Zoom dictates who looks, <clears throat> or who we see, I mean. So, yeah. Hello. But the gold from Ronnie just seems to be overbearing Patrick's image. Well, well yeah, it's humble. It's That's a, pretty standard. And, yeah, yeah, it's another, <laughs> another wing of my cottage. Um, but, you know, I invited you two here, but with social distancing, it's, we could. I mean, there's plenty of room. We could get 50 feet apart just in this one <laughs> palatial man. But, you know, and, uh, but, Wait you know. You guys didn't want to fly, so you're lost. We're going to be playing. Oh, we're going to be. Yeah, we're going to be playing um, badminton. Is that what they? No, croquet. Oh, I'm, cro I get the two confused. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, we're working on uh, an ultra dynamical croquet mallet. It's not used for bike polo. We wouldn't stoop that low. It's a <laughs> only for croquet. This yeah. guy. This guy. Hey, on your toes. On your toes. <laughs> They're coming in hot. <laughs> Um, well, now here's a boring question. How did you two meet? Hmm? Pats? <clears throat> well, well, let's... I like to hear your version of the story, Benedict. Ooh, that's cool. Oh, okay. I, you, first, you got to respect me and call me by my Christian name. Pats. No. We've been over this before. <laughs> no respect. <laughs> From the beginning, no, no respect. And I'll tell you, let me tell you, Patrick and I met in Austin, Texas in 2003. No, no, it was like 2004, summer. I had just moved to Austin. Cool. Um, fresh off of my, my uh, Oxford fellowship um, for, um, I was working at Gold's Gym at the time. That's true. Uh, that is true. Uh, that's, that well, is like, true. I like how Patrick can actually say, like, <laughs> he can push the green button for things that are accurate. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> what is an Oxford Fellowship? You don't. You guys don't even know if that's even real, but it is. Um, and uh, I was working downtown Austin. <clears throat> now this is prior, before all that. I was working at Gold's Gym, and I went to a. I was riding by somewhere. I didn't have any friends yet. I moved there alone. And summertime and I was looking for people to ride with and I rode by this grouping of um, really, uh, you know, really tough looking bike messengers, right? This is like peak fixie, you know, everyone, 
but these guys weren't even wearing neon colors. Like they were tough fixie guys. Black. And I, I was immediately intimidated because I was on a road bike in spandex. No, I don't think I was in spandex when we met. But anyway, I show up there and and uh, I ask if I could join the ride and somebody like from the back, like no one said anything. Someone from the back was like, <laughs> oh, I guess. Was it, was it so even, I went, a, I went on. was it a ride or was it, was it just like messengers a, hanging out? They're like, what fucking I could, ride? It could have been that. I was such a square. I was just a little boy from Connecticut, you a know? A little boy. I, like, <laughs> no, it was. I didn't know it, what I was kidding. It was, was innocent. It was a it was a messenger race. It was actually a really cool event. It was like a week long stage race of different messenger. Oh. It was like a couple of checkpoint races, and then they had a a road stage that was like twenty miles around, like in town road Sick. stage. Yeah, twenty and, miles. <laughs> yeah, and then they had like, and that was like that was the road, the road stage. stage was like fifty a, miles. Mm, I heard I it was seventy five. They had and a hill that, climb. That sounds, a I get my numbers confused. 150 from what I last remember. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. But my <laughs> earliest memory is is you in the parking lot beforehand. We were doing it was a TT stage and you rode up on a on like a on a race bike, on a road bike, and you were wearing like a purple leotard. Like oh, it was like yes. It was like a bright purple bodysuit. These guys had never these these I'm telling you, these these knuckle dragging messengers had never seen a proper skin suit and arrow helmet before. Yeah, I mean this was a TT, but all of us were in like cut off dickies and cut off t-shirts because it was all messengers and mechanics from all the shops. And then this dude comes up with like old Brico's on and a full on, and it was some, it was July. It was like a full on purple <laughs> all the way, like, like legs and everything. Like oh, it was a wow. full skin suit. It was full suit. Yeah. And I was like, who is this clown? Like complete clown. And, um, <laughs> I don't think I talked to you. I don't think I talked to you really. And then we <laughs> at all, actually, like, no one did. <laughs> no one did. <laughs> And then we, uh, we started, and then the next stage was like a road stage. And I remember being in the front of the road stage with you and be, and there was only a handful of people. I was, I was the dickhead messenger that was like, that didn't drink and was like really competitive <laughs> where all the other messengers would show up and just party and drink through all the races. I was like the one that was like looking around, like really riding hard. <laughs> would you win too? Yeah. I won. I won a bunch oh, of the messengers. That's the cool. King. Respect though. Cause it's like, well, this bullshit is making, would make me, you're just competitive. That makes perfect sense. Well, but I was also like, not, you know, not hanging out for 15 minutes, smoking a joint at the, like, you know, in the middle of the race, which, oh, you know, yeah. that helped. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so, but I was competitive and, you know, so I, I remember looking around the group and there was only a handful of us in the group at that point, like, you know, again, the 25 mile road stage, we were probably, you know, 12 miles in or something. Big day. <laughs> and, uh, big day. <laughs> and, uh, and Benedict and I finished that stage and I remember being like, damn, he's pretty strong, you know? And, and we kind of started talking at the end of that event and put it together that we had common friends. Um, oh, wow. so, and then like that race ended and we just started riding a ton together after that. I think like, I remember the last stage being like, man, we should hang out and ride sometime. And, mm. 
And, oh, we wrote uh, we wrote every single day after yeah. that. And we basically like we, wrote and, every day after that. <laughs> every single day. And just our and I got Patrick to start wearing bibs. Really? And then we'd start then we'd start wearing just bibs. He came yeah. he came to my parents' house in Connecticut for a visit when I was home working on the boat one summer and he shaved his legs for the first time on my deck and my dad came home and berated him. Yeah. He, he's, he's like, like where did this <laughs> who shaved the dog? Where's all this fur coming from? It's everywhere. It's so in my know, mouth. Yeah. Are these pubic yeah, exactly. hairs? Yeah, the way the wind would blow and it, it would just get all over people's faces. And, and there were some longer ones. Patrick's pretty hairy down there. So I know intimately. Uh, so, um, yeah, yeah, you know, it was a pretty fast friendship um, uh, early on. And yeah, from there, we, we started uh, uh, getting more and more into actual like, the, I guess, the obscurity of of in like the European nuances of road racing right before. I guess just right after the Lance era when everyone else was kind of going in that like hyper uh, American direction with the, you know, the U S postal service edition Trek Madones and mm. like really bad looking kit uh, club jerseys, especially in central Texas. It was terrible. Just no style whatsoever. Yeah. And <clears throat> Patrick and I were really into the Euro stuff, <laughs> the purple skin suits and Sick. whatnot. And so the, uh, yeah, we, we were like, well, let's start our, we don't really want to, ride with these guys let's start our own team and we brought them kind of all the messengers with us and had like this pretty cool unique um like all white kits and it would rain and you would see right through it we were basically nude out there and uh um so yeah we started racing and we did our first cat five we did a <laughs> we were all cat fives and we started that season there was probably like eight or nine of us in cat fives all in the same kit, like skin, like all the way down Sick. to like shoe covers, Sick. you know, like head, legit. head to toe. Yeah. We look legit out there and we did, and we'd used all these, you know, pro Euro tactics. You know, we were, uh, we had, uh, yeah, I had, I had my own lead out train. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty ridiculous. So yeah, that was, uh, that was kind of like us getting our, uh, getting the tips of our long toenails wet in that's disgusting sounding. Um, I was thinking something else. <laughs> that was us dragging our foreskins in the in, in the in the road racing pool. You could you could use either one. <laughs> we were both uncircumcised. That was another thing that we bonded over very early. That's true. Yeah. What, what, you <laughs> too? No way. Yeah, you find that out. We're like we were meant to be together. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so then, did you guys like how? What happened then? You're racing bikes, it's hanging out in Texas. It's hot as fuck. I mean, I guess I feel compelled to ask if was John Prawley in that mix at all? Because he was in no, Austin at one point. It's prior to Prawley moving to Austin. No, prior Prawley. Not not pre. pre not prior pre Pat. Pre. Come on. Sorry, Richard. You're supposed to be the, you're, 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 you're you're supposed to be the English guy here. You could read, not me. I know, I know. I can spell. I can spell. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was pre. It, it was right before Prawley moved there. So Prawley right. got there, you know, like the year that I I moved to Portland. So I've been in oh, Portland wow. about nine years. And so I met Prawley in passing, like just as he got into town. Yeah. And um, we were, yeah. I mean, I think the the kind of the the thing with Benedict and I is we have different backgrounds as far as he kind of grew up racing and riding mountain bikes quite a bit. And I grew up riding BMX bikes and oh, then sick. messengering. And then we kind of met in this road era 
you know, we both got really, really obsessed with road together at the same time. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, started that team and then raced for a few seasons. And then I was kind of sick of, of Austin riding, (laughs) like not the people. I love the people there, but the terrain there is really difficult to just, it's yeah. The weather's not amazing. And the terrain is really Mm. monotonous, you know, the the terrain, the terrain would be good. Like central Texas is a beautiful place. It's just, I like to think about Austin like a hundred years ago, like how beautiful of an oasis that must've been, but it's uh, the way it's been developed is not, Uh, not in a sustainable, like, Oh, you know, you just have to, I remember we, we were just doing, yeah, it's just, you, you, it takes, and back then even it was an hour to get out of the city, you know, you're just going every, you know, stoplight every, you know, like you ramp up, stoplight, ramp up, stoplight. And that's just, it was, that was terrible. And you had to put in these huge, we were cat fives, but we were still putting in like 25 hours a week. (laughs) We were, we were were. stupid. And so that'll really doing all those intervals on like a highway feeder road. You can only do so much of that. Yeah, your brain melts. Your brain melts. Yeah, your brain starts melting. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. Then I moved up to Portland. Like I said, I remember probably getting there, and he was kind of shadowing a bunch of the messengers around, following them, and kind of shooting some of their bikes. And I met him, you know, and I was just like, "Yeah, I'm moving. I don't need friends." <laughs> was generally my attitude, which was just a terrible attitude because probably is am- probably is amazing, but it just tells you where I was at. I was like, I'm fucking out of here, you know. I, I was like, why would any why would anybody move here? This place, like, right. I was I was seriously fried. My brain was melted. Anyway, so I moved up to Portland, and Benedict had kind of moved out of there, and was um, you were in Connecticut, kind of. A no, I was coming back. Time. Yeah, I was going back and I was like, I would work at the time, well, I guess for 15 years prior to that too, I would work on a, my father's a, a fishing boat captain here in Connecticut. And oh, so wow. I would work for him in the summer times and make money doing that. So I wouldn't have to work for the rest oh, of the year. Sick. That's cool. how, that's how I was able to train 25 hours a week. That's sick. And, uh, <laughs> and so we, uh, so yeah, I would come to Texas in the winter time and Patrick, had a, uh, a a shed in his backyard. His, his, I should say his wife had a shed in the backyard. <laughs> and <laughs> they were gracious enough to let me stay there for three winters before I moved into like a, that was a pretty nice shed. Like the interior wasn't finished or anything, but I had a bed in there. and oh, was electricity. And the last two years that I did winter in Austin was in like an aluminum tool shed with an extension oh cord. My put God. <laughs> that was after Patrick moved to Portland. So after Patrick moved to Portland, that's when I met Crawley, and we oh. were just we were just riding mountain bikes in the green belt together. I was already totally over road at that point, and I don't think I even had a road bike at that point. So I was just kind of riding like it was just kind of break. I had a, a year where I didn't where I got out of road racing, and I think a lot of the, you know there's a misconception that uh, especially in that era that the pinnacle of cycling was the race aspect mm. of it, right? You know, like all your bikes had to be race forward. Everything had to be race ready. Sure. And so I, 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 uh, for that year after I stopped racing, I was kind of, <laughs> I got into Frisbee briefly. Um, <laughs> As one does. <laughs> but I, uh, competitive you know, Frisbee. That, I, yeah. Competitive. Can, can you, can you imagine if Ultra Dynamica was a Frisbee company? I mean, what, be really the good. name That's is, a, is very, 
Yeah, it, it works. I think we could still go. I think we could still go that way. You think of like the is that the aerobi frisbee? It's rubber around the edges. I yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, the, that would probably perform better. That's like a new we, product yeah. line we can get into. Yeah, I like yeah, this. Yeah. I mean, at I least those are good giveaways. There's a good mm-hmm. uh, story really tie-in. Give, really good giveaway. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you would, of course, you would only use that frisbee on gravel. Okay. That's right. <laughs> okay, hold on. Gravel, Let me. Gravel specific. It's a gravel frisbee. Gravel yeah, right. Frisbee. Please write that. Okay. You're writing that down, Dustin. No, Thank I'm just you. making sure. I don't want to get this wrong in the future when I'm throwing it. So no grass yeah, or some grass. No. Uh, no, no grass. What if it's no, dead grass with like brown as as dirt everywhere? That's okay. You don't okay. want to stain the race gray compound. Yeah, because well, green, like yeah, with so, green grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't make tires for grass. We don't make cyclocross tires. That should dead totally, the door now. Yeah, <laughs> Southern California cross, aka grass. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Wait. where were we? Hey, I, I want to ask you guys, yeah, how, yeah. how is a tire made? I'm just going to fucking switch it all up on us. <laughs> I don't know that, how the fuck they're made. Those are, those are industry secrets. You got to pay Ooh. big bucks to know how Ooh. these things are made. You guys have you know? Venmo? What do I got? 30? <laughs> <laughs> can I, 30 can you guys have IOU? <laughs> <laughs> 10 to $15, we'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This well, week we're going to do a our, Patreon so we can have questions answered by the boys at Double D, who've been known D. to. Double D. The boys at Double D. I like. Sorry, the that, dynamic Double D. Dynamic Double D. Dynamic Doodles by Dan. Oh, is that the new name? That's where, where we do Welcome our to the podcast. Today we're interviewing <laughs> Dan Triple and D. Patrick. Triple D. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dan. <laughs> so, Benedict, uh, Benedict, today I rode with Dustin. This morning I rode with Dustin just prior to getting on. Like moments hair. ago. Like that's why moments your ago. hair is wet and my hair yeah. is wet. Yeah. I thought that was the jerry curl juice. And, and, and Benedict, he, he said to me, upon seeing me, he said multiple times in a row, you're his partner? You're his partner? No, no, no. I was wondering, You're is it you? I was like, are, are you his partner? And then he asked and me I go, if you were married. I was like, I was like, what? Why do you like his life partner? And I was like, no, I'm not his life. I'm his business partner. <laughs> and I was, was so there was a lot of confusion uh, up front, and I, you know, it was the name, funny. the East Coast. I had no idea that. So oh, nobody else, no. maybe people don't know this. Patrick lives in Portland. I was, there's, there's nowhere in the, uh, brand persona to allude that there is even a connection to Portland. Mm. Mm. Yeah. 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 Right. Maybe, you know, it's like, I think people just assume if it's a bike product that's coming out of Portland, right? (laughs) I thought all products came out of Europe. If it's it's a, yeah. We like, we like people to think we come out of Europe. We're from Europe. Yeah. We love that. Well, we love I'm that. closer. I am. I am this. I am in Luxembourg. <laughs> I thought that's just what you called that wing was Luxembourg. Or did the forums yeah. go through mm. the permits or, or no. they're approved? Yeah, the permits go through. Yeah, we built this place in Luxembourg. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, so Benedict, he, he says this to me, you're his partner. And I take it to mean like, I don't, like, I don't, I'm not. I don't look the part enough, right? So that's the way mm. I took the comments. Oh, and I, right. of course, I'm like, I'm like, what do I? What's the matter with me? Like, what? I don't, 
I don't, yeah. I don't look like Ronnie, so I don't, I'm not the part. Mm-hmm. Wait, it's but Dan. He was, he was confused. He was just <laughs> confused about Portland, I guess. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I had yeah, no idea. Yeah. Cause I, t- I guess I just assumed it was an East coast thing because Ronnie, Dan, Jacob, Jingleheimer, Schmidt is the like face <laughs> of the product. Yeah. So, and that's all I knew. I don't know. That's like, nice. That, that's nice that there's an East Coast persona too. That's like an. Well, there's you know the East Coast doesn't get any cred for anything. Can we tell them? Can we can we divulge the big news about about our East Coast operations? About ye olde, about the ye old farm. Yes, let's talk about that. That's really. I'm really excited oh, for cool. you. Cool. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about goats. <clears throat> Benedict. <laughs> well, we have we. We have a, a uh, well, so Patrick has been shipping all the tires, oh. which is a pretty big job. Yeah. Especially when you're, when you're balancing a, a wife and your wife's business that oh. comes first because that's what pays wow. for everything else. And you also have a kid that you've got to take care of. And you have a I've kid just, too. Yeah. He's got a kid too. I just polish gold. Yeah. What do you, what do you, know, all day long, all day long, I polish gold. Good. That's I'm right. Here to look good. Yeah, he's yeah. the public yeah, face. I, I public like being. Face. I like not yeah. being recognized and being asked repeatedly if I'm. I'm his partner. <laughs> <laughs> good incognito. That's good. Yeah. So I'm. I just hang out in this place, you know. And every once in a while, I'll see if my hair is, is the right tone and it's matching the <laughs> the, the other tones in the room. Yeah, you know. That's like I'll do that three or four times a day, but for the most part, you know, I'm just hanging out here so i'm like well i guess i could help out a little bit with the shipping part of the business so we've got a uh um it doesn't look anything like this unfortunately but we've got a a big farmhouse that we've acquired in the in east haddam connecticut which is also where whitcomb i told you this earlier dustin but this is where whitcomb usa nobody knows that nobody knows that but you maybe you'll splice it in yeah (laughs) <laughs> you'd be like, I already knew this. I can see this cheeky editing. You'll be like, I already knew this. Why did he say it again? He's just bragging more about his manses. And I, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, we've got a, uh, a really cool uh, place, a big barn uh, eight, built in 1850. And that's going to be the new East Coast Ultra Dynamico shipping hub. So uh, everything, our, and, everything will ship out of there. Not Patrick's like, half. fuck you. Shipping is going yeah, to you. You're shipping now. <laughs> and pre, pre, uh, pre virus, I was not able to be in one place for very long. But now that seems like there's really no other option. So, yep, I'll just be the on ye olde farm picking corns, uh, growing corns and squashes and shipping tires. Sniffing yeah, so, tires. So East East Coast orders will be shipped oh. by Benedict from mm. the barn. West Coast orders, yeah. which is probably going to be mo- is probably most of them, will be shipped. Yeah, there's not many people ride bikes on the East Coast as it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't found them. <laughs> so, and then, because uh, I'm starting to understand how this uh, Dynamico is working. So it'll be mm. East Coast orders goes to Jingleheimer Schmidt and... Uh, mm. West Coast and Europe, Asia, Australia, and everything else will probably end up on Patrick's plate. 
Yep, you're you're picking yeah, up on so, how this works, Dustin. Yeah, so I'll, I'll do maybe <laughs> Thanks, like bud. three, four, three, four orders a week, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Between matching my hair tones to the, you know, just kind of yep. mix it up, be a little different. Amazing there. how this works, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Man, you got a sweet so deal. Be, yeah. Yeah. I could probably fit it between a manicure and a pedicure for a while. I'm doing both, so it's just it shouldn't be that hard for me. Everything's done for me. Well, that's good. That's what we've all been (laughs) making sure. Yeah. When you're born with a face like this, Dustin, the world is your oyster. And then that that sound was Patrick dropping the mic and leaving. (laughs) Patrick, can you come come back, please? We're not. I'm going to ship. I got shipping to yeah, do today. Yeah, got orders to do. Okay, I, actually, I actually do. <laughs> Good and bad, huh? Oh, bad, yeah. But wait, can I, I want to ask yeah. you guys some nerdy tire questions, though. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I heard Patrick explaining to our buddy Ryan when we were riding today how a tire's made, and I thought that was, I've never, I don't know how the fuck a tire's made. It's around, I don't know. Do you mind explaining that? Mm. Yeah, I, I guess with, is, did the fifteen dollars clear yet? In our I think memo? it's. Uh, I'm checking right well, now. My, my connection is really. Um, it should be yeah. there. <laughs> well, it, we 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 had the opportunity to go to uh, Japan last fall to the Paneracer factory, which was. Uh, I mean, not even a. I mean, it's an understatement to say that that was one of. You know, one of the greatest moments of my life. I think yeah. I speak for, speak for Patrick too. Sick, if definitely. you've been ri- riding, I mean, I've been riding Panracer tires, you know, since I was 14 years old. So it's, uh, you know, the to actually see them being made and and see that it's in like this cool small town, you know, on the outskirts, somewhere in rural Japan, and uh, uh, and to see the factory and to see the tradition that's there and to see how. To see the workers and like all wearing the the pan racer uh uniforms yeah, and get this, cool. to meet to meet with the engineers and stuff we're just sitting there like we it's, we had our jumpsuits on we were we were slightly official looking but they treated us with such kindness and respect it was awesome and we got yeah. to see the whole process unfold i'll let patrick take the it, process it's remarkably it's remarkably handmade still like mm-hmm. there's a lot of people touching the tires there's a lot of mm-hmm very skilled labor goes on which which you you kind of just have this vision like people just pop it in a mold and it just pops out and boom it's perfect and you you know we were kind of talking earlier on the ride about measured widths and yeah you know like there's there are a lot of variables that come into the manufacturing process but i would say that you know the skilled labor that we witnessed was just really really neat and inspiring and just something that I didn't realize took place in the process. But, um, yeah, I mean, it starts from a big block. They, first of all, they, they sort the, the raw rubber in kind of different into different grades. And so they take the, basically the rubber that's like, I wouldn't say like the most pure, but that has like the least, I guess it's the most pure has like the highest grade. Yeah, the highest grade. They they kind of sort it out, and then they take that and they use that for their nicer, most high end tires. And then the kind of the the rubber that has like the more it has like more bug parts and sap oh. and just weird stuff in it, like like twigs and stuff. Yeah. That stuff goes usually on their city bike tires, you know. Um, twigs. 
I mean, it's that's what it is. I mean, that's <laughs> what it is. Yeah, that's so what it is. It's what like is leaves and what does like that raw over. rubber look like? Is it are there balls or is it a vat? Like, what is it? It, it looks oh, like cool. yeah, Chunks. it looks like a giant. It looks like a sack of like coffee. If you've ever seen like coffee raw coffee, it's just like looks like a sack of that laying there, but like it's like solid. No, it's oh. like a solid. Oh, Wow. Sla- those those slabs yeah. reminded me of uh, of like um so you know in in like in in Italy and the Mediterranean countries they have those dried slabs of fish like the salted cod or salted uh, I don't know what the heck they'd have there but you know it's like a big slab of dried fish that's what it looked like to me huh. I, I love how we're comparing it, rubber to like food objects a that big fire <laughs> Yeah, big so with, with like, like twigs falling bar. out of the fish. <laughs> Just trying to fish get and twigs, really. Yeah, dried fish and twigs. That's what <laughs> that's what this rubber looks like. <laughs> anyway, they start they start by sorting that out, and then they they take they take the they take those big slabs of rubber and they kind of break them into smaller smaller slabs, and then they basically put them in, through a series of different mixers and. Oh they add different components to the mix and <clears throat> basically come out with the rubber compound that they're going to use for, for the tires. And then there's a process of basically putting so, it through different machines. To, I got a question. So the ahead. things they'll add things to the rubber because I'm guessing just like straight rubbers just fucking not, probably wears out really fast. Yep. Not right. durable. So you just got it durable. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> he is one add, with the words. You're right, Donnie. <laughs> He's pretty. He's pretty good. Thanks for getting my name right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they'll add. You know, it's a. They'll add a, a concoction of different, of different, um, you know, components to make it last longer. Basically, the lower some of the, the lower the rolling resistance, make it last longer. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, Certain but ones that mainly. Make yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. They can and do then, a lot. Um, it's a lot of a lot of alchemy there. Yeah. So that that would be metal, wouldn't it? Is alchemy only metal, or is that is like like uh, like that? <laughs> that one? Yeah, that too. I okay. don't know. I'm just trying. I'm just trying. I want to be. I want to be a guy that reads, also. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someday. Yeah. <laughs> Never too late to take it up, Benedict. That sounds fun. <laughs> don't tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, yeah, there's uh you know, it's, yeah. Like Patrick was saying, very ha- hands-on process. And there's a lot of, uh, of course, like quality check that goes through and you know, the rubber is being pushed through these machines. That's making it look more like a tread. And then it gets put on this really what you pay for uh, when you're doing tires is the, the mold that um, vulcanizes mm. the vulcanizes the tread to the casing and makes for the final tread pattern. Which is similar and, uh, to shoes. You, the mold is a very hmm. expensive part. But unlike, yeah, right. I would imagine it would be very similar. Unlike shoes, tires don't have sizes and fucking half sizes within that. Oh, you just man, have, right? yeah, gnarly. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. We would not get into the shoe business. Right. Well, we it's a thought about pay to play. We thought about the tires. And yeah, you pay to play with tires, but right. tires, they wear out. 
you know, people got to buy, always got to right. buy tires. Well, so do shoes. And there's only one size. Yeah. Well, well I guess there are a lot of sizes of tires now, though. You know? Regarding sizes, Dustin, one of the things that we get asked so much about is like, why don't you just make another size of this? Or why can't you do this uh, size or that size? And mm-hmm. people don't, I think people don't understand that each size is its own specific mold, you know? Totally. That's um, cool to like educate mm-hmm. people on that and those totally. molds yeah. are really expensive yes. really and expensive, time yeah. consuming yeah. to have made so i mean we would love to just of have course. five sizes of every tire yeah. instantly right. using one mold that would be amazing but it doesn't work that way yeah uh, oh I, so yeah I, the, the oh, yeah, mold processes the mold process is like like when they stick it in the mold that's the very last basically the last process is is they take the tire it's already been the rubber's kind of already been added to the casing. The tread rubber has been then added to that, um, kind of stuck on that casing. And everything's kind of, the rubber is so fresh when it's coming out of the machines that it kind of like sticks to itself. And the, mm. when they stick it in the mold <clears throat> is when everything is basically bonded together through that heat and steam process. Mm. And then it comes out as a steaming tire. Like comes out steaming, steaming, which is amazing. So right? cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, okay, uh, I, got, I got a couple questions. So uh, how do they sample a tire without building a mold? Or do they not? They, is there a sample process? No, sample you have to build process. a mold, for, you have to build a mold yeah. first. Fuck. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. So they'll, they'll tell us, we'll say like what kind of, they could do sample casings. Okay, right? okay. And just, and just, yeah, yeah. What's a casing? You, you had another question. What's a casing? Uh, casing, casing is the uh, would be everything about the tire, excluding the bead and the rubber for the tread. So it's your carcass. Uh, it's like the carcass. Yeah, it's your carcass. Your carcass. Totally. Uh, uh, you, you have a you have a lot of different choices. What was really cool for us is was to um, have the choices presented to us, and then be able to kind of pick and choose and tune the tire to what we wanted it to do. The casing is a, has a big. You know, there are really stiff casings. That'll be like a low TPI uh, and be like heavily coated for flat protection. And then there are real like keyword like supple casings that yeah. everyone uses that have uh, a higher TPI and are uncoated, uh, no flat pr- protection. And for us, it was uh, always that, you know, f- you know, flats happen, of course, but it, it's a lot of it's by chance. It's not necessarily the tire you're riding. It's your skill. And, and if it's your time. You know, some, some years, as everybody knows, you don't, you get like two or three flats for the entire year. Some years it's like every single week, you know, and very true. That was, it was, it was just your time. You can't blame the tire. A lot of people, too many people blame the tire and not themselves uh, or the heavens. I like so blaming myself you, as much as humanly possible. I could, t- I could tell, I could, yeah? I could tell that oh, about cool. you. It's good. Yeah. It's freaking dearing. Oh, stop. Yeah. <laughs> just a little, little more. So Benedict, I, riding with, riding with Dustin today, <clears throat> He's on the he's on the rosé races right now, and uh, we mm. took he some must have been pretty, hard to keep up with. He was he was really he, hard he to was. Keep up with I was very. Like, I'm impressed. sure on on normal tires, he's, he's it's probably yeah. realistically it's doable. But on those tires, he put it like a good rider on our tires, and it's, well, let me tell unfair. you, I I want to report to you that I watched him descend. He was ripping some of the descents. I was pretty impressed. It was my first ride with him, mm-hmm. and you know taking risks i like to see taking risks going fast Mm -hmm. and all i could think behind him was like if he flats one of these fucking tires i'm gonna have to change it for him i know it i'm gonna have to (laughs) uh my tire's gonna just hand the bike to me and he's gonna be like come on dude 
fix this, dude. This is junk. Oh, that's wonderful. So, so that's no flats. Why, you know, no no flat. So you're certified. So that's what yes. we call being certified. Oh. Yep. Uh, and and then you have like in the beginning we had this we had this um, notion that we were uh, you know if we sold to to shops which we hadn't planned on first but we we do now if we sold to shops they were going to have to have a certification program yeah. and would have to like, you know kind of uh, like it would be more of like a survey they give the rider maybe they'd have to go on at least one ride with the rider just to tell yeah. if they. Yeah. We're eligible uh, to I ride drink, our lightest tire. Drinking and was, riding, yes. Uh, <laughs> to throw my bike sometimes. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. That. Those those would be those could be questions in there. You know, we're more interested in whether or not you're going to aim directly for that sharp rock in front of you and oh. you know, <laughs> slice our slice our slice our tire into a ribbon and then yep. blame it on the tire. Yeah. <laughs> but the uh, or if you're you know we we check tire pressures very often. You know, a very Ooh. common mistake that we see is people are always, especially if they're coming from the road, you know, mountain bikers coming in are always, you know, not mountain bikes and, and tire pressure have been a thing since the beginning, but road bikers are, are very slow to learn that lower pressure is better. And so we get, a, we'll get people who ride, who pump up their, our tires to like 60 PSI and they go out and of course, you know, your the tire is not going to deflect the rocks or whatever is giving you a flat like it would if, you know, if you're, uh, running a lower pressure, the tire absorbs the sharp stuff instead yeah, of standing rigid against it and where it gets oh, torn. And interesting. It's like so, roadies you know, have this. A, it's like roadies have this notion, and I'm and I'm you know, I'm probably a road. You call me a roadie. They see <laughs> the max pressure on the sidewall, and it's like, you know, it's kind of like max watts or something. They're like, ah, I can probably do 10, 10 more than that. Oh, you know, wow. so you look <laughs> yeah, at totally. max pressure on the sidewall and you just know a roadie's going to put 10 more than that in. And yeah, it's competitive. They don't understand that max pumping. pressure yeah. means max, like with a tube mm-hmm. pressure that that tire can handle. Mm-hmm. You know, you that never want to never want to run that thing at max ever. Never. Run it well interesting. Well. Interesting. So yeah. that, yeah. dude, that just reminds me of the fucking speed limit in America. Everyone's like, oh, it's yeah. 45. <laughs> I'll go 60. Just exactly. like, oh, that's the, that's the starting point. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so. Uh, how, how does someone that, you know, doesn't like, how do you find out the right pressure for your tires? Like, why do you, what I do you always, suggest? I tell people, you know, if I can go by feel and I, I looking at gauges. Yeah. Like, you know, Patrick and I are Marco Pantani fans. You know, he was one of the last great racers of our era that did everything off of perceived exertion instead of data. Oh, fascinating. Cool. And so, you know, for me, it's not looking at a gauge, you know, it's being able to feel the tire and I'll squeeze with your hand and it, it, yeah, with your hand. And it should be just amount. It should give, it shouldn't feel rigid by any means. It should give, but you always know, you know, if you ride enough, you'll know if that's too low, you know, if you, if you could bring your top, your fingers together too far, I don't know how to tell people this. So are we on the radio? Uh, and so it sounds you know, you like gotta, you just start doing this, give. just start feeling give. it. Cause people yeah, will be like, I don't have it. a reference point. I don't know what I'm feeling. It just yeah. start doing I, it, change I your pressure like, and start. <laughs> Somebody like owns a razor. You, if you, yeah. If you squeeze, <laughs> if you squeeze your, yes, <laughs> if you squeeze your, it's slightly more, your butt is not a great, my butt's pretty firm, probably as firm as butts come. And I, uh, uh, Talk, I think, is the word for it. 
my butt is still a little bit softer than what you want your tires to be at, but you want it to have that, you know, it's got to have a little bit of give to it. And if it doesn't, if it's just like rock hard, like a basketball, you're going to bounce around on rough terrain. First off, like yeah. I've, had, I've heard people say that, that they're running like 650 V by 48 and uh, they're used to like a, like a 700 by 38 or whatever pumped up to whatever they usually pump it up to. And then they'll do the same. They'll pump it up their 650 V by 48 to that same pressure that they were running their smaller volume tire on. And it becomes a, uh, this was like a big thing with fat bikes when they first came out before they had figured out tubeless on fat bikes. Like you had to run it at, at a certain pressure. So you didn't get pinch flats on, on uh, like rocky descents or whatever. And those bikes with, you know, four inch tires ended up just being like, you know, two basketballs. You're just coming down the the mountain, just bouncing everywhere. There's just really it, no control. It feel like control a rebound. It should feel like a smooth magic carpet ride, not like you're bouncing mm-hmm. off everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Wait, you know, is that like a diner every... reference? Like that bike, or just no, like the magic? Never. Car- is there a bike? Is there a bike called dude, the magic that's carpet ride? That you said. Yeah, it's it's like one of the first full suspension gravel bikes. So it's confusing. You lost That's me at full. Right. You lost me at full suspension. I'm sorry. <laughs> you brought it, was it up. an intriguing concept. You brought it up. You did. Um, you know, it's difficult. It's 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 difficult because it depends a lot on your rim width. You know, if you run like a carbon wide rim, you can go lower. If you run like an aluminum tubeless specific rim, that's na- like a narrower inner. Really? You know, mention you yeah. kind of need to go a little bit harder, but you basically yeah. want to find that that point where, you know, if you run too low, you're gonna you're gonna experience a little bit of fold over through the corners, and you'll kind of feel the tires yeah. What's start. What's fold over? On, I, well, you'll notice it first like with a, with burping, like your your tire will start burping a little bit, um, and if you're really, a mountain biker, really yeah, that's yeah. pretty low. And then, so would burping be the same mm-hmm. as like? Um, I don't know what else to call it, like rim shock, like hitting the rim. No, burping would be if you're if you're taking a hot corner and you you peel the like the bead peels out of the uh, of the rim seat just a little bit and, the, it, and some sealant pops out the oh, side. No. Does it and make then, a noise? Uh, rim, yeah, it burps. Oh, it does. Mm-hmm. Or a oh. fart, you know, depending a flatulence. <laughs> uh, and uh, it, uh, um, your friends always know you did it because you boo cocky all over it all over the trail and you're like, yep, running, running the, right in the razor's edge there. Yeah. <laughs> but so a, a rim strike would be if you're running at too low of the pressure and it's not, you know, a rim strike, even at the proper pressure, if you just take a long line, that's the nice thing about tubeless, right? Is that you don't pinch flat. Oops. Um, so, uh, you know, you rim oh, okay. strike on a rock or a log or something. Generally that means that you're probably running an ideal pressure. If you're not getting any rim strikes, you're either a really good rider or, yeah, your pressure is wrong. <laughs> wow, really? That's where that's where that's where those uh, that's where some people are riding. Like mountain bikers will run those um, uh, cush cores. Have you heard of those? It's a it's a uh, motorcycle technology. They're they're getting lighter and lighter. They're pretty cool. You'll run them. It's like a rim strip that goes on the inside. That's between the tire and the rim, running on tubeless, and you've got this uh, like a high density foam core that cool. protects the rim from rim strikes and also. Many even though there's no tube in your tubeless setup, you can still pinch flat. Like you could pinch the actual totally. tire, and so this takes away that sharp edge on the rim and, and allows you to run really really low pressure. Right, and it also holds the tire holds the bead into the rim seat a little bit better, also, so you're oh, a lot better, also, so you won't burp at all no matter what pressure you're running. 
I feel like that would, and you could ride a, ride a flat home too. if you need to. So I'm, I'm moving, I'm, I'm moving in that direction for mountain biking for sure, especially for rigid mountain biking, which is what I do. And you've got some amazing, uh, because it's all like the lower the pressure you can run, the lower the pressure you can get away with, the, the better your ride's going to feel. Mm, that's a good you're gonna have The more natural suspension. And a lot of people, you know, the gravel bikes in particular have gotten so damn like fancy with the gimmicks in the past five years since it's gotten to be like the hot thing. And people are, uh, uh, what a lot of, you know, a lot of that is just uh, like band-aids for, you know, running the wrong tires, not at the right pressure. Like that's where your suspension is. It's very analog, very simple. Uh, yeah. You get that dialed in. You don't need a fancy suspension stem or, or whatever else they put on these bikes. Or a magic carpet ride, full suspension or magic gravel. You or do magic know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> just told me. So. Um, so would you say for, you know, like if you're just trying to figure out your pressure, it, it what I'm kind of gathering, it sounds like you're almost suggesting like go a little too low and maybe bring mm-hmm. a pump Experiment. and just kind of yeah. bring it up. Because the general yeah. like – uh, the general consensus that I've noticed is people go high and then they'll drop down. Mm, and a mm. lot of that, of course, is like riding road to a thing and then blah, blah, blah. But I, mm. I like this philosophy of like, let's see how low we can get away with and then bring it yeah. up from there. That's I think like, I think just like experimenting and right. Like it's different for everybody, yeah. depending on your, the way you ride your rim with mm-hmm. how heavy you are, how to- quarantine's affected totally. your weight, <laughs> all those things, you know, <laughs> So just like play with it, you know, experiment when you're, you know, taking that smoke break, let a little more out, see what happens, you know? Yeah. And, no, love it. Yeah. Good, good advice. It is. It's a lot of, it's a lot of fun to experiment. Yeah. That's, that's more than anything else. Like just don't take what we say or what the, any manufacturer says and just do that. Like go out and find out for yourself. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I got another question. How does any brand, well, I guess it's probably different for each brand. How do you guys decide what size a tire is like put that number 48.999 or it's a 43 like how does that get what's that standard i'm sure it's different for every brand maybe yeah okay it is so then how is it for you guys we um you know when you when you design the mold you basically there's a mold mark which is like in imprinted in the sidewall of the rubber if you look you can you can see a bunch of numbers and the mold mark and the size is on there and so that is kind of like basically ballpark figure and i don't know how other brands do it but we wait until we get um samples from that mold and we measure the samples over and over and over and kind of on different size rims oh you do okay decide we decide from there what we're gonna bad like the hot hot patch is like the label, the color label that's on the tire. Got we it. decide what we're going to mark the hot patch with, and we try to get that close. But also, you know, it's there's so many factors that come into width. Um, like we said earlier, rim width, inner rim dimension, like how much air you're running, how much pressure you put in the tire. You know, um, how you decide to measure it. Do you measure to the outer side of the knobs? Do you measure to yeah the edge of the cape like how do you know there's a lot of little factors that come into it so you know and then there's an industry standard of like two to three millimeters possibility either side of you know like it's there's a there's a variance in there there's a tolerance in there so um but we we wait and measure all of our prototypes that we get and samples many times and then the other thing is that people don't realize is that 
a new tire, if you, after five or six rides, it stretches out the casing, especially on a nicer tire will stretch out and kind of enlarge a little bit as you put miles on it. So, um, tires, I mean, obviously you're wearing a little bit of the tread rubber out, but the casing will stretch another millimeter or two. Mm-hmm. with with miles yeah, pretty cool thing yeah especially a lighter tire like our race casing will is a we say i don't think we got into this earlier but there are different of course there are the different casings that you can have you know if you're choosing a heavier or a lighter one the heavier one with more protection on it isn't going to flex and deflect rocks in the terrain that you're riding as well as a, a, a nice light casing that's going to conform and be a, a you know massage the terrain a little bit better mm. uh, so you're going to feel more of the terrain on a heavier casing something that doesn't flex as much and so um, also the a heavier casing won't stretch out as much either so we're, uh, you'll f- we'll find that our we'll measure our race casing and that's usually what we'll badge the rest of the tires as but it doesn't oh, always sure. you know they don't they don't they stretch out a lot more than say like our robusto which stays more rigid because it's got more material on it and doesn't allow it to stretch as much. Mm-hmm. And then you guys have three casing options. Is that tr- correct? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. We're very, very excited about our newest JFF just for fun. It's not only for fun, but just for fun. Like you could do just <laughs> about anything on what it, are but they? it's probably going to be pretty fun. Oh, you want to know the yeah, whole just, list? You don't yeah, want to just talk about JFF? I don't know. Uh, Wait, so Patrick's in Portland? <laughs> <laughs> Who's Donnie? <laughs> oh, we have our highest end tire. No, we'll start. We'll start. Uh, you know, we'll start with our. No, build um, up to it. We want to have that. Start with our. Yeah, we'll start with our least expensive. Right, our least expensive is the JFF, but least expensive does not equate to low quality. This is still. It's approachable. You know, one of the best. One of the best tires on the market. It, the best is reserved for our race casing, but we're going to get to that. So this is still one of the best tires on the market. It's got an incredible, um, very flexible casing. It's unprotected. Uh, it's a little bit, the casing is, is by nature a little bit more durable than the, our highest end. Uh, and um, it's because of that, they don't have to fit as many threads in it. So it doesn't cost as much. So that oh. makes sense. So um, why don't I interrupt? I'm going to interrupt. And kind uh, of I'm screwing. I screwed steer this, steer this, it. steer this the right Thank way. You. Okay. You, I ruined it. The original, <laughs> the original tire that we wanted to design and, and build was the race, our race, our Rose race. Was and that's first the, the top shelf tire. Mm-hmm. Okay. Top so, shelf. Totally. Of so, course. No, build, to make- no build up, but top shelf. Right. Ah. Top shelf. So we we basically <laughs> the first weekend that they landed, we we were so over the moon and excited and and um, we had a we did a little pop up here in Portland at Golden Pliers. It was a great shop in town, and we had all these people come in excited about it, and a bunch of people who were you know fans of Ronnie um, were like, oh, I can't wait to tour on this, and we were like. You're like, oh, uh, it's a pretty thin tire to tour on, you know. Um, we have both toured extensively on it, but it's also like it's a pretty, it's a pretty lightweight, fast tire. It's not really amazing for touring on if you're yeah, fully loaded, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't trust it out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's a thin, very thin casing, as you're aware of, Dustin, because you've, you've loaded though specifically. Because yeah, we're talking about loaded. I got a ride tomorrow that's going to the middle of nowhere and i got those tires don't do it don't do it okay just 
<laughs> what if what if I just paint them black? Does that make them different? Yeah, that you're, makes them. That yeah, that yeah? makes them. That makes them at least two hundred grams heavier. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. But, yeah, you have or to deal that... with it. Yeah. So so that weekend we were kind of just like you know what like we we need to do a tire that's a little more protected on the sidewalls for touring and for basically like really really rugged terrain and um, cool. So we started working on the Robusto, which was like our second casing that we kind of worked on. And we got a series of different sample casings um, produced and we decided on the, on the casing that we use, like the spec that we use for that casing, which is protected sidewalls. And there's a lot of different ways that people protect the sidewalls, but we kind of chose the one that we thought was the most flexible, but still had good, good protection. Um, and hmm, then, cool. so through developing that tire, we had kind of asked for a lot of different samples and the JFF casing was kind of in that mix of samples. And, um, you know, we had kind of been trying a bunch of them out totally. and that, that process kind of, you're like, you know, and so we came out with the Robusto casing for touring and really rugged stuff, but we wanted that. We were kind of thinking it would be nice to do a tire that was a little more approachable. That was kind of the best of both worlds. And that's where the JFF tire kind of fits is it's like, it's not protected, but it is a little more durable than the race. Um, so it's, we, we think it's like the best of both worlds. So, cause yeah. I'm stupid and I don't understand. It's the race is the top shelf. JFF mm -hmm. is the, is the sweet spot. And the mm -hmm. Robusto is your fucking protected. Protected. I like that. Yeah. We're That's making no claims middle against of middle of nowhere. So I need yeah. to order one of yeah. those real quick. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Okay. And the uh, and the the race the 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 only tire that we make in the in our proprietary um, um, NASA developed gray race compound is. Uh, the race casing, the Cava oh, and Rose race, and our forthcoming tires that would be different names. But that those are, we only make our highest end tire in gray. Okay. And then I, a question about color Does color affect rubber? Like, is it. Yeah, yeah it does. To, it does to, uh, um, you know, there are a lot of, uh, there are certain colors that don't work as well as others because it's a matter of carbon in the compound that that's what makes the tire black so okay totally oh and so if you there, have a there white some, tire there's not as much no, white tire now you know and it's and it's funny to think like uh my uh, uh, uh one of our actual neighbor around here in in east in uh the connecticut river valley is peter weigel and one of the things that he was uh famous for uh um I guess 10 years ago was shaving down Grambois Etras, which were really like um, light casing, uh, uh, high volume 650B tires that came in three three different colors. And he was putting them on all of his uh, his like classic Randonnée bikes. And he would cool. shave down the rubber to make them like perfectly smooth and really, really thin and flexible so that wow. he could corner harder. It's a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. And that's actually what got me into 650B. I was like, all into tuning the rubber on the tires. I thought that was so cool that you can affect so much about the ride quality of your bicycle just by with these high volume tires coming from a road background or not, you know, road mid ground. And uh, um, he told me that, yeah, he, you know, you shave down the black, the terracotta, 
and the white and like all of the rubbers like felt different like the shavings to him you know totally. and uh yeah yeah and and it's um yeah there's a bunch of like pan eraser is able to they as most people have probably seen if you go on like a pan eraser website they make like the gravel king in so many different colors right yeah and uh what is that is that and they've got a uh they've gotten to a point where they can make just about any color and still have it be good oh but wow. in the early days it was it was hard for it to like you know it's like if you took the if you if you matched like a black tire and went out on like a white tire or something you'd be pretty hard pressed at this point now uh to tell the difference like you'd have to really really split hairs but it, it's it's such a uh like the it's interesting it's, it's it's more of like it's more way more of the tire pressure than anything uh, when it but comes down to how how those rubbers react. The color the color in the compound comes due to the due to the amount of carbon in the in the compound, and so the black so black tire tread you know is more carbon, and that carbon brings just a, a hardness to the to the rubber, so it's a little more durable, right? So. Most of your long distance tires are, you're going to get a little bit more usage out of it. The colored mm -hmm. tires don't, they wear a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. um, and so, because they have less carbon in them, basically. Yeah. And our, our, our race gray is a softer rubber. It's something that we uh, developed for mostly dirt use. And so you're going to get better traction in, in, uh, on the dirt. On the road, it's gonna it's gonna it may wear down a little bit quicker. It's been pretty negligible. Though. It's that really has very been it's very yeah. like he said. Paneracer has really perfected their color compound to where mm -hmm. it's a very very minimal difference. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess technically it and is. And we, we wanted to we wanted it to be softer. Like all, any color tread that we do is going to be softer, and and for a reason. We don't want it to be as hard as the black compound. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's uh, if you're riding mostly dirt and uh, and you like the look of the gray, which it's undeniable, it's beautiful. So you know, uh, then that's what he's you good. Want. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could cut to Patrick like rolling his eyes and doing things like that. I'm at the fucking mercy of Zoom. You guys should have came out to the manse. <laughs> Yeah. Next time. <laughs> Next time. I mean, that's the, that's the thing, Dustin is, is that's the whole tire thing is entire industry is just that finding that balance point between durability and still being fast. Right. Because a faster tire is one that does not last very long, you know, yeah, totally. <laughs> it, rolls, yeah. it rolls faster, which is, which, grips better, yeah, but yeah. does not, is not going to last you as long. Right. That's, so, right. Yeah. that's the balance and in, and in, that you have and, to find. And in, and in my opinion, that's what, even from, I consider myself an environmentalist, uh, even with all people <laughs> could call this waste, but I, you know, I, I, Necessity. I still think that that's, I still think that things that are like purpose driven like that, that's what I thought was so cool about Weigel shaving those tires to begin with is that like, yeah, like something, like something fast and lightweight is going to wear out a little bit quicker, but I find that to be kind of cool. There was something to be said about this is no reflection of our tires and hopefully it won't be taken out of context, Dustin. But the uh, I always liked the there were these certain tires I would run um, as a racing mountain bikes as a junior that you literally would get like two races out of and they'd be trashed. <laughs> that was it. And then you wow. tires and have to do it again. You know? Were they good though? And so, 
Oh yeah, the, for those oh, wow. for those few laps, you were flying, you know. <laughs> but there, the, the <laughs> but I just thought something. I just I've always thought that that was uh, that there's you know it's it's part of the uh, yeah it's just just another strange like idiosyncrasy of, of of whatever sport you're into. Like there are these weird things, and that was a weird thing to me. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, Those yeah, are the things cool. that make the culture cool and interesting. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and then yeah. also trip on some fucking Formula One, blah, blah, blah. How many times are they changing tires right. in one race? Exactly. Like, How cool is that? Right. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of cool, but then you get into that waste element and you're like, oh, yeah, I don't the waste know. element like, is bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I don't but, know. So, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've hit this. Welcome to the official lull in the conversation. <laughs> We'd like to thank Dynamico Tires for their deep, penetrating rubber experience. <laughs> Dynamico I Tires like by Patrick That's good. and D D D Donnie, Johnny Scott, Don Billy, Donnie. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, uh, why? Why tires? I mean, I I know why, but it still feels worth asking. Hmm. That's a good question. I, I mean, I think that, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I think we've both been really into tires for a long, long time. Yeah. I mean, it, um, you know, like I can recount to you all the different BMX tires I ran over the years. Oh, cool. I mean, I remember tire models, like it just, we were just always into it. And I think when we met each other, we talked a lot about tires on bikes. That's cool. And just, I think we realized, we both realized early on that that's like a way of tuning the ride of the bike. A hundred percent. It's that, almost the most important, I don't know, important. it's like the most affordable thing you can do to completely transform your experience. And it's mm -hmm. connecting your, it's what connects you to the ground. It's like, it's yeah. such a crucial part of the bike that most people overlook. And I think starting a company, it was like, I just love the idea of starting a company of, on on an idea or a project that like people just take for granted and don't look at all the time. And I think I like the idea of looking at something and just making it, you know, finding that aspect and like just exploring that and doing that, which was really cool. But I think on a bottom, like the basis of it was just like we always talked about it. Like we would, even when we weren't living in the same city, we would kind of talk on the phone about what we were running and, cool. uh, yeah. and what what pressures. <laughs> yeah what pressures like yeah a, it's like yeah it really for me uh bicycle like the the things that you can change on your bicycle that really make a huge impact on the ride quality are your contact points you know where contact points on your body and on the road mm. um and uh so i'm into handlebars saddles pedals and tires and so um you can you can do you can change up your cockpit and get your riding position all different and uh and then you're able to you know address certain terrain differently than you would have if you were had a different bike fit right but nothing nothing dictates that more than what tire you're running and uh there are sure there are people that can do just about anything on 700 by 25 you know gator skin pumped up to 120. Fuck. Uh, uh but are they going to have any teeth afterwards yeah, yeah. They, or do they rattle out of their head there's ways you can do it very comfortably and uh and cycling to me especially after that you know after doing the 25 hours a week of training on 
<laughs> Central Texas feeder roads. Cycling for me isn't about pain anymore. It's about enjoyment and pleasure. Yeah. And uh, so um, the last decade of my riding has been focused on that almost entirely. And there's certain things that you could do to a bicycle that make it very comfortable and perform well. And, you know, that's what tires are all about. And we saw, Patrick and I both saw, just like what we did with in Central Texas with uh, our road racing team, there was, um, we didn't, we, we could address what was out there and we didn't see what we wanted. You know, yeah. people weren't making what we wanted. And so uh, we had the opportunity to do it ourselves. We'll do it. And tires were just a, something that we nerd out on equally and have great reverence for great tires of the past and what we wanted to see and the tires of the future. And so we unite and you get triple D's. Yeah. Wait, there's a third D? I thought there was only two of them. Why is he changing this? <laughs> <laughs> Had a nice ring to it. I like that bit. It did, yeah. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't have worked. Two Ds didn't work. I think I think like I think also like aesthetically we our tastes are really aligned with bikes. And it's funny because when we rode today, you were you were like you're you're riding like a, a carbon bike. Does Benedict ride carbon bikes ever? Dude, he's on a like a brand new open blah blah like top shelf space bike. I was like, oh cool, you're like the tech guy, and Benedict's pushing a wheelbarrow down a mountain, right? Yeah, that's a... I like that. But believe it or in not, in sandals. But believe yeah. it or not, aesthetically, we actually we have really similar tastes. You know, so, really, yeah, we have we have a respect for the classics. You know, we come yeah. from we come from tradition, and yeah. so there's you, you have to start with a foundation of respect for what's already been out there and what um, brands that have already done in the past. And uh, yeah, and in in the reflection of what we saw being put out there, you know, yeah, is it, there was huge room for a huge we well we even if it weren't even if it wasn't a big market like we were making what we wanted to ride. And yeah, that's the most important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why I, I say, too, it's like a FUBU brand. It's for mm. us, by us. Like, you people yeah, are yeah, living right. the culture, and you just want to produce mm -hmm. something for the culture. And, like, yeah, love yeah. it. Isn't that cool that we're able to do that? Like, there's, you could, I mean, there's plenty, of, there's overwhelming downsides to technology uh, and social media and, um, I mean, we are on Zoom. I mean, I could but, say there's know, over, yeah, yeah, overwhelming yeah. upsides overwhelming to upsides it too, you know, and, and in the cycling industry in particular, you know, there, you know, prior, like five, even five years ago, we wouldn't really be able to do something like this. You know, you had the, this, um, you know, like a direct, like a, a buyer direct, seller direct model didn't, you know, didn't happen. And you had to buy, you would buy your tires, you know, that it would be like, uh, you know, maybe seven levels removed from the person who designed them. Oh, right? for and, sure. Um, and how much passion are they going to have for that product that they're selling you if they don't understand it and it's just selling you another tire? Yeah. And so I think it's so cool these days where you could like, you know, you could find the person that you like their style or their riding style or what they have to say about, you know, the technology, their, their product or their where they stand socially and you can support that person and actually, uh, um, yeah, buy directly from them and you're essentially tapping into what they would ride, what they exactly want to ride and that they're able to make and sell directly to you. So you get that experience. That's just so cool about what we're able to do right now. And uh, I think that the future of the bike industry is uh, in great flux right now, even though we are in a big bike boom, we have these big brands that are out there that can't um, 
aren't can't nibbled enough to, they mm. can't figure it out, you know, they can't and, figure it out. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's like a really cool position to be in when Patrick and I need to make a decision. I, we just call each other and the decision's made, you know, we don't have to have a board meeting about it. Yeah. You know, where we're paying like 30 other people to make the decisions for us, you know? And so, um, yeah, it's, you get, what you end up getting is something directly from our brains <laughs> for us, by us. Yeah. <laughs> Who does the uh, like the graphic work, logo, color schemes? Is that either one of you guys, or is that so, farmed off to a <clears throat> faraway country? So our friend, <laughs> our friend Max, who lives in Portland, um, has worked with a couple of other different cycling brands, and he's a he's a good friend of my wife and I's. Oh, cool! And I have always liked his design aesthetic, and um, he's really really brilliant, and he. And his wife have a very small little agency here in town. And so I kind of Shout went and pitched them. Central Office is the name of their brand Sick. or their design agency. And um, I kind of went and told him the idea. And I think he was like, <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of like really kind of blank stares for a second because I don't think they had any, any idea what I was going to meet with them about when I told them that they were just like, oh, yeah, Patrick's coming in to tell us about his new company. <laughs> But um, I think that he immediately was like, oh, we, this is really weird. Like bike tires, and, you know, clearly had never done anything for bike tires. Interesting. Um, but his aesthetic, like, and also I, I wanted somebody that had done some, like he did uh, the brand Bread, Breadwinner. He did all of their, oh, cool. their branding. He did Jeremy. He worked with Jeremy and Julie at The Athletic on a lot of their stuff. Sick. Collaborated with Jeremy quite a bit there. Um. So, yeah, it was really important that kind of somebody that rode bikes and knew bikes, which Max does. He's like he's a good rider and um, was familiar with it, but also like comes from like a very kind of pedigreed like design background. Mm -hmm. And um, and I just liked his style a lot. So he um, yeah, we worked with him on on like the logo mark and and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, we made a we made a mood board, a Pinterest mood board. Did you really? Patrick and I, 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 yeah, yeah, Italian that's, futurist. That was Italian. Our, that yeah, was what, great. Yeah, that was what we went with, and uh, and yeah, Max did an excellent job. But you know that that was the the, the we kind of did all of the design first before we even had the tires. And, <laughs> totally. Uh, like, and then it's going to have yeah, these hats. So, and then with that, yeah. I'm well, serious, I think, you know, I think yeah, that's important to us, you know, because it's we wanted to make a sure. tire brand that people would build their bikes around. And, and also know, see I, the tires and be like, I'm going to build a bike around that. And I think that people, I think people don't understand. Like, like it takes a long, I mean, we didn't understand when we started. Mm -hmm. I mean, it takes a long time to develop a product overseas. Like thousands of emails. The communication is like pretty intense mm -hmm. communication. And it, it's not language like you barrier. just yeah. send them a drawing and you get something back. You know, you have a mold built in like a few weeks and you have, it's just it takes yeah, a really long time you wouldn't time, want so. it that fast though because then shit gets mm. fucked up yeah. and you have to pay mm -hmm. for it <clears throat> so yeah. you know we exactly. started we started with the design we started with the tire we were working on the tire at the same time it just oh, cool. obviously max being in portland it's about a, it's about and, a year yeah yeah it took over a about year a year before we had that first sample even yeah 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 that seems mm -hmm. pretty standard i think yeah yeah and it wasn't and real for, it wasn't even for the big brands, I mean, you think about right. like all of the big, big brands that are coming out with bikes, like those bikes were designed probably a year and a half ago and they're coming yeah. out now. I know, so. just such a trip. 
Like, yeah. you have to predict the future, basically. Like, I don't know, fuck it. Like, only rear suspension <laughs> on all the yeah. road bikes. And, and when you asked earlier about sizes, like, I thought you were going to ask. I mean, it, that is one of the most... It's weird, but that's one of the things that we go back and forth with the most is like when we're thinking about the next tire we want to do is like what size and like trying right. to kind of predict the industry. Because we said earlier, you know, you we would love to have five different sizes of every tread, but we just we're not we're too small yeah. to do that. And we're and we kind of don't want to do that also. Like we we obviously want to sell tires so that we can make some more different tires that we love to ride, but we also want to kind of, you have to kind of think about where the industry is headed and, you know, um, what, what frames are going to clear moving forward and what people are going to be looking for for yeah. years to come. And it's, right. it's a pretty daunting, when you get down to it, it's a pretty daunting thought to like design a mold, pay for it, go through that whole process. And then people are like, eh, I don't know, man, like, I would have taken a 38 like two years ago, but, right. or last year, but now my bike clears 44s and I want to, you know, it looks better with a bigger tire in it. Yeah. Or so everyone's over 650B. You're like, what the totally. fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, I, the fun thing about 650B is that's what Pat, Patrick and I prefer 650B, but overwhelmingly the industry doesn't and they don't yes. necessarily make bikes for it. Which is so great. We started off. It's great for you guys. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, like yeah. tackling a niche, is, yeah, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we did, and we, we did, uh, we didn't initially ever think that we were going to do a seven hundred tire because we thought that was just that was just so basic, you know. And so <laughs> the uh, <laughs> basic, <laughs> so basic. And uh, and but we uh, enough people out there. Uh, <laughs> really enough of our friends. It was really enough friends, of our friends, really. cool. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, that's um, yeah, real. We got convinced. Yeah, yeah. And so that was our sellout tire. We keep keep saying we'll we'll end up doing more seven hundred now. We've gotten over over it, ourselves a little bit. It, a little it's bit. funny because we got the prototypes for the seven hundred, and I put them on, and I rode them, and having ridden six fifty like basically exclusively from for a long time before that on like a gravel bike. Mm putting the 700s felt so crazy for like the first ride. And then after that, like I started to really, I like that size quite a bit. And I, I don't know, I can't determine whether it's just the width, like that 42 millimeter width is really, really nice. Hmm. Or whether it's the 700, but I actually really like that tire. Benedict and I kind of disagree on this one, but that tire yeah. was, is surprisingly fun. Our, our 700 yeah, by 42. And we have a, yeah. We have a rosé version of that, a 700 by 42 rosé, which will cool. be here in the fall. So we're, um, we're, yeah, we're, those tires are fun. It's been, you know, you, ad, you adapt and you kind of, you know, you go in with some, some rigid ideas and fixed ideas and it's good to have those, but I think it's also good to kind of like be flexible and adapt and, you know, be open-minded as mm -hmm. you kind of move through it. Yeah. yeah, and okay. always experimenting, I think, is just yeah. so mm -hmm. important in totally. all facets of our lives, not just with one thing. Like, yeah, we got to, yeah. you know, spice it up to try and see things from different perspectives. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. experiment yeah. with yeah. more than just tire pressures, you know what I mean? Try different yeah. Yeah. tire yeah. sizes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a bike now that's set, actually, the Villier that I rode today, I have one set up 650, one set up 700. It's fucking great because I can really get this, like, taster's challenge with it yeah and i'm not the dude that's like oh this feels subtly this like i'm like the bikes all kind of feel the same ish 
so it's it's great to have this like back to back and i agree with you the 700 they're 45s on that right now but that's like this sweet spot for kind of like not super chunder but kind of everything mm -hmm. else it's really mm -hmm. it i like it for i really like the 700 by 42 has kind of become my road wheel set like i like I ride How that on the you. road all the time. Like <laughs> it's fast on the road. And then if you hit gravel, it's, it's great. It's like enough, like cush. It's nice. Um, file but, tread. Uh, yeah. File tread. Yeah. yeah. Sick. Yeah. What tires are you on? What tires of ours are you on Dustin? Oh, that we'll pass that over to Patrick. He knows he's it. on the, he's on the Rose races, <laughs> double, double Rose race. Uh, 650, 650 B or yeah. Oh yeah. no, that, yeah. Of course, when you say double, what is that? Is that front and back? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Instead so, of the, yeah, we, that mullet setup. The mullet set, I was going to say, I, you were talking about that today of like, I, I kind of like the idea of that even being like in my head when you were talking about like chunky up front, less chunky in the back. Oh, it's like a reverse mullet. Basically, bigger in the front, yeah. less yeah. bigger in the back. It depends yeah. upon what you think a party is. You know, some mm -hmm. some people's ideas of parties are different. So, well, if, if you, you cut your those Goldilocks, you would have the the gravel These aren't mullet. Real. Yeah, or you could just real. unclip it's, them. Yeah. yeah, unclip them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think <laughs> like that. The mullet setup yeah. was something that we both like. Like I mentioned earlier, our backgrounds like riding BMX it was very common to put like a, a knob on the front for when you rode trails and then a slick on the back because you didn't really need it that much when you were riding, when you were jumping, you, you figured out pretty quick, like the most of your traction came from that front tire through corners and stuff. Um, and so I, like I grew up that, that was common to see mixed tires on bikes. Totally. And then talking with Benedict once, you know, he, he kind of turned me more onto mountain biking you know, as we were kind of progressing through our road phase, I always found it really weird that all of the road tires we were ever on, you only had, you know, it was, it was the same tire front and rear. I just was like, huh, that's interesting. interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's not very fun. Then, yeah. yeah. It's not very fun. Yeah. What's going on with this? And then, um, you know, but I was kind of, we, I remember having that conversation way back then, like, yeah, did yeah. you guys mix I, and mountain biking? He's like, yeah, we totally mix tires all the time. Oh, they would. <laughs> I was just going to ask that. Yeah. You know, yeah, all the so, time. You know, it's one, this is one of my one of my favorite things, you know, about tire tuning is trying out. This is you know, try this experiment. You don't you can do it on any tire if you have something with a little bit less traction in the rear. But most people don't really uh, understand that, you know, over eighty percent of your braking traction comes from the front tire. You're mm -hmm. putting on the brakes, everything surges forward, right? Uh, that's not activated until you put your brakes on. When you're just rolling, all of your weight's in the rear. Have you ever noticed how much quicker your rear tire wears out than your front? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's pretty intuitive. So you're, the rolling resistance is coming from the rear. Your braking traction uh -huh. is coming from the front. Um, to, uh, these days, when you're running a, a high-volume tire at a low pressure, you're going to get traction in the rear. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe mud is the one variable, but for the most part, you're going to get traction in the rear no matter what. Um, it just takes a little bit of body English to get, you know, to let that rear tire hook. And as long as you're running the right pressure, it's going to grab onto whatever's there um, and still give you low rolling resistance. So when you add that knobby tire in the front, you're not really adding much rolling resistance, uh, you know, when you're just rolling along on the road or like on smooth gravel. But 
when you are taking a real dicey corner or, or just, you know, carooning down a mountain, you know, at 30, 40 miles an hour for me, it would be about 60 to 65, usually what I average. Um, you, and you take, and you need to take that hard, loose corner. If you've got uh, a tire with limited traction in the front, like the same as your rear, um, you're going to lose it. You're not going to have, you're just going to, um, you know, you're not going to be able to hold the line like you would if you had a knobbier front. And so, uh, yeah, when you apply the brakes in the front around that corner, you get, you're able to grab a little bit on the side knobs and hold the line a little bit better. And it just makes it for, a, uh, you're able to do a lot more while still, you know, being relatively smooth rolling resistance everywhere else. So yeah, it's a really and, fun and combo. I, I, I really, it's, it's something that we had talked about for a long time, for a long time. And when we decided to do the tire company, it's something that we definitely envisioned as being like, we wanted a system of tires that tires were interchangeable and you could use different sizes together mm -hmm. and aesthetically like the treads looked and looked great and performed well, either paired or, you know, mixed and matched, you know? So that was kind of something that was one of the original ideas that we really we felt like wasn't out there as much. And, you know, people disagree about this for sure. There's some people that, that like to ride two tires the same and that's fine too. It, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, our whole thing is like, we're such tire nerds. We mix and match tires all the time anyway, because we were just constantly kind of tinkering and trying different setups anyway. And we found that that for us, we really liked that balance of the slick in the rear or the, you know, the file tread, the less knobby tire in the rear and then the knobby in the front. So, um, yeah, I think that that was like a kind of a pretty important part of the, the design aspect of this company and, um, mm -hmm. what we want to accomplish. Yeah. yeah. And it's, 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 uh, putting your, the priorities of your ride too. like, are you looking to be better at cornering in the dirt or on the road? Like what's your priority? Mm -hmm. Is your ride more like road centric? Like, Oh, I want to really hit that. You know, I want to hit that road, that paved corner at 65 miles an hour. Or do I want to hit that dirt corner at 65 miles an hour? Well, you can kind of have both this way, but you know, you got to think about what you want to optimize for. Like what's the fun part of your ride? You know, for yeah. me, it's always going to be the dirt. So, yeah. Sick. That was perfect. Awesome. I think that's a good, uh, we're just going to stop while we're ahead. Big shout out to Patrick and Ronnie, Donnie, Jingleheimer Schmidt for taking the time to hang out with us. Spread that tire knowledge. That was a very enlightening episode. I appreciate you guys. Keep doing what you do. I love the product. The world is a better place because of Ultra D. And if you would like to keep the lights on, please consider donating to the International Players Club. Links below and the advert for it is at the beginning of this. And if you listen to this on any audio casting system that has a rating system, let's let's tilt the scales and, and give it a double five-star thumbs, triple quadruple rating, huh? Yeah? Much love and respect. I couldn't do this without you. Thank you to you. We'll see you next week.